Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and turn on notifications so that you will receive alerts when there are new episodes. Go get it. You're in the right place. You checking out? Chip Baker, the success crowd. Conquer all my goals, then I'm living out my dream. Dig deep, go out and get it. Success Chronicles. Can't compete until it's finished. Success Chronicles. everybody this is chip baker coming to you with another episode of the success chronicles pretty excited about this one uh we have dr marcus goody goodlow with us uh on this episode a, a great man um from from compton california uh you know has achieved some really 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 neat things uh, you know lots of accolades you know husband father uh professor author a speaker. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of amazing things, but really what it just boils down to is just an amazing guy doing some amazing things. And I'm so thankful to have him on this episode. So first off, thanks so much for taking the time to interview. So much. It's good to be with you and, and your viewers and listeners. And so excited, man. Happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, man, I hope you're having a great year, had a great year. And uh, man, I'm honored to be with you today. Yes, sir. Well, let's dive into it. Well, I know off air we talked about, you know, your life story some, but if you don't mind sharing your story with the audience and track it to now. Yeah, so I'm a proud, uh, proud uh, hometown boy of a, a city, small city in Los Angeles called Compton. Uh, the, <laughs> the 323, the 562. And uh, I grew up in South Central LA there in Compton and was very fortunate. I was raised by my mom, and she raised both my sisters, two sisters, and me. And God was very fortunate to to play sports, and was raised both in the on the on the athletic fields, but also in the church. And uh, was very fortunate to get an athletic scholarship. Went on to play football for the University of New Mexico, where I'm representing right now. And uh, and just years later, met a beautiful woman. I married her when I was in graduate school, and. And uh, and then went on to do some postgraduate work and graduate from there and lived in Dallas and Kansas and San Francisco, various places across the country. All that uh, mostly in serving in different capacities in ministry. But I work in a number of different areas, working with uh, leadership is my sweet spot, along with uh, research in MLK, Martin Luther King Jr. But I've been doing some work on issues of uh, synergy and culture, ethics, leadership, character, working with everyone from law enforcement uh, to to university settings. I currently am the chaplain for our police department. I also do leadership development with various police agencies and have been doing that. And I'm full-time itinerant and I travel the country speaking to faith communities, universities, businesses, working with them on a range of issues from synergy to character to leadership and emotional intelligence. So it's been a great 
a great ride and just been, man, just enjoying life. We live here in sunny Southern California where it never rains. Of course, it is raining now. And uh, we we were joking off air about our, our favorite group, Tony, Tony, Tone. And one of the many songs they had was It Never Rains in sunny Southern California. Of course, that's not true today. But uh, we're blessed yet, yet, man. I live a thousand yards from the beach, and so it's all good. That's good stuff. So, as I said in the intro, uh, great stuff. <laughs> uh, Thank you, brother. Yes, yes, yes. You know, one thing is you were talking about your upbringing and some of the things that you've been blessed to achieve. It, it makes me think about, uh, like, you know, you talked about your faith, you know, being raised in the church and, and a lot of those those core common principles that we learn, uh, you know, being raised that way, like your discipline and you know, I don't, boy, we going to church, <laughs> you know, like, right. you know, those things, you know, when you, you can carry those things over into your life and they never go out of style. Yeah, they never go. My, my mom, who I'm blessed to say she's still on this earth and yeah. uh, we get together and we still talk about those days when she was raising us and, you know, church, attending church, being a part of a faith community was never an option not to be for us. It was a way of life. And and then I saw the first introduction of the scriptures, uh, a person preaching, teaching was my mom. And so that shaped my worldview, that shaped my theology in terms of what women can lead and do. And uh, I remember many days being on the front row, listening to my mom exhort and teach and admonish and challenge people to live their best lives. And, you know, but there had to come a time when just uh, it wasn't enough just to attend Yes, church. You had to be uh, actually willing to commit those teachings. But I say the teaching of Jesus to your life. And I often tell people uh, being a follower, you attending church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus any more than me standing in a garage makes me a car. And so it has to come a point in time when those scriptures become your life. And for me, being a follower of the teachings of Jesus, man, that happened for me formally when I was 12. And then I rededicated my life when I was freshman in college, December 11th, 1990, yeah. and committed my life not only to the scriptures, but also formally to ministry. And so I really identify that as my my spiritual rebirth. And uh, yeah, it's been since December 11th, 1990. And, you know, and so really what I get a chance to do is try to, through the use of the scriptures, through building significant relationships with people, to try to move that people to their to their God-given potential and purpose. And I do that in various capacities, not just simply from a teaching of a word of the word, the scriptures on a Sunday, but really from trying to live life with people in a way that's authentic, in a way that's um, in a way that's challenging both uh, to the context in which we are living, but also to based upon the gifts and talents that for which people have, uh, have been gifted by God. So, yeah. I'm gonna, since since we're talking church, I'm gonna go church on you and give you amen. Okay. <laughs> amen. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a couple of things that you hit on that that really resonate with me that I really liked, and, and uh, we'll talk about this before we go on. But uh, the first thing is is having a firsthand experience. You know, just like you said, you know, you can be placed in those environments, but you have to choose to make the choice to do those things. And there's a book by Pastor Kerry Shooks, uh, Sons. Uh, you know, big preacher here in Woodlands Church, but um, it's called firsthand. And really, it just it talks about, you know, it breaks down their experience on 
you know, when, you know, yes, you know, we were made to go to church, you know, we had to do this, but, but really just like you said, you know, I, we had to choose on our own to, you know, put those principles into play that we were taught and that gives us a firsthand experience. And then the, the another, the other thing you talked about was the magic R word relationships. You know, um, one of my former pastors, Pastor Danny Green, he had this quote and it blew me away when I heard it. Like I, I knew it, but it, I mean, blew me away. Right. So he said, you know, and then this quote, I, I use this quote in my second book. It's the first quote that's in my second book that I use. It says, uh, our life moves at the speed of our relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that man. Oh, man. Do I have to give him credit if I, if I tweet that out today? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, man. It blew me away. But I mean, you think about it. You know, um, you look at those people that are successful and grounded, you know, they have yep. amazing relationships in their life and, and then vice versa. Yeah. You know, those people, yep, that, no. you know, yeah. that, that don't, they don't. That's right. No. And what a colleague of mine would say, someone I journeyed with some years ago, he would say, you know, we a part of the community. We would always say as communicators from the stage, we would say, show me who your friends are and I'll show yeah. you your future. That's it. And so. Uh, and so we would often say that I, I believe uh, there's an African proverb that talks and says, uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. And so I always one of the questions I always leave audiences with, regardless of where I am, whether speaking to law enforcement or speaking to faith, communities of faith on a Sunday or students or fellow colleagues in, in academia is, um, you know, is, is the phrase I always use. I talk about how. You know, who's your tribe? Mm-hmm. Who's your tribe? You know, who who are you on mission with? Uh, there are no, there's no such thing as successful lone rangers. You know, I live here in Los Angeles, and I often say, uh, you know, I talk about the award show, the Academy Awards. It happens once a year in, late in February, and it's seen by millions and millions of people. And if you remember, most of the people, when they come to that stage, they are at a loss for words. They're overwhelmed. It's amazing to me that some of these amazing actors uh, find themselves lost for words. But one thing you find them always doing is they say, you know, I want to thank mom. I want to thank my dad. But they all say, I want to thank I want to thank my fellow cast members, my supporting cast. Mm. So what I tell people is we all have had a supporting cast. If you've had any level of success, look to your left and to your right. And we've been very fortunate uh, to have a supporting cast. For me, that was, I didn't, I, grew, I didn't grow up with a father. So for me, that was a coach. Yes. That was a, that was a minister from my church. That was an athletic director from my school. That was another teacher. I can remember Mr. A, Mr. Alexander. Uh, that was uh, Coach Charles Leathers for me. God rest his soul. God rest Mr. Alexander's soul. That was um, for me. That was uh, my godmother, Eugenia Franklin, who mm-hmm. took me under her wings in the third grade. Still with us today. She was an educator. Saw something in me. Came alongside my family. It was a deputy sheriff by the name of Rita Hayes. She was part of the <laughs> drug free campaign. Just say no to drugs back in yeah. the early eighties. Yeah, I remember that name. She came to our school. She built a relationship with my mom. Her and my mom had some things in common, including faith. And she took a liking to me as a young kid. And I remember her coming alongside me and encouraging me and supporting me. I tell the story in one of my books 
that uh, for my graduation, I remember Deputy Hay, Rita Hayes came and she had this box and I was thinking, man, this must be like an Atari game set or something there, you know? And I'll never forget, in this box, there's a card. There was no money in it. So I was like, okay, okay. I'm still holding out hope. But in this box, man, there were two books. Not an Atari game set, but the two books were a Bible and a dictionary. Mm. And she, she said, one will teach you the meaning of words. The other book will give you the purpose for your life. And so I, I remember those people. I remember those people who, who who spoke words of life and affirmation. And but I also remember people, you know, who in one way or another became a point of challenge for me, if you will. And so in one way or another. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that supporting cast. And it's evident to me, Chip, you've had that supporting cast as well. And so we're we are a product of what I say, the champion of we, mm-hmm. not I. But we, we are stronger in the we. Yes, definitely, definitely so. And and truly, truly blessed. I think um, it's overwhelming when you get to reflect and, uh, you know, just like you, you know, just went through and just listed those people. That's so neat. Like, it's it's good stuff. It's, it's overwhelming. Like, when you really just get to take a moment and just reflect on those amazing people. Uh, and they ain't have to do that. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they, they, they didn't have to take the effort, you know, no. to, to invest in you. Like they didn't have to yeah. do those things. Yeah. And, and, there's and no blood, there's no blood relationship. Yeah. You know, but you know what, what happens is when you, when you around good people, yes, people of decency, nobility, generosity, the capacity for empathy, mm-hmm. you know, Doris Kearns Goodwin, the great historian Link and Lincoln scholar, also Johnson scholar. President Lyndon Johnson, President Lincoln, Doris Kearns Goodwin said the number one quality that a leader has to have is empathy. Yeah. And so I am I'm, I'm very blessed to have had people who led in my life, who influenced my life. And one of the number one characteristics that they had was empathy. My uh, my surrogate father, the man who I now call my father, like I said, I didn't grow up with a dad. But over 25 years ago, I met a man named uh, Chet Stewart from Albuquerque and and uh, he and his family, Diana Stewart, our Nana and Papa, all these years have taken me on as their fourth son. And one of the greatest honors I've had is to have him. Have, in fact, he just, as I'm talking to you, he just uh, he just texted me a, a, a little note. Mm. But uh, but I look at his life, honorable man, man of faith, uh, lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, and just has modeled for me what it means to have, be a person of empathy, what it means to have, be a person who lives their lives in accordance, not just uh, in hearing of the word, the scriptures, but in doing what the scriptures call us to do. So, mm. so just listening to you talk about, you know, your experiences, the thing that you've been blessed to achieve and the, the amazing people you know, that's been in your life that have truly poured into you, which has allowed you to give that, you know, in abundance to others. Um, I would consider that to be great success. Let's, let's hit on success. What is your definition of success? Yeah, that's easy. Success is the recognition of who you are, and whose you are, for what purpose you're called, and then achieving such. You know, so much of our lives, 
is spent trying to, unfortunately, live a false version or false explanation or expectation of what other people want us to be or what we think they want us to be. And I really have viewed success as when you come into a, your own, recognizing who you are, whose you are, how God has uniquely gifted you, and living your best life, living your most authentic self. Listen, the worst mistake you can do is being a cheap version of someone else. So part of success is I recognize, listen, there's, listen, there are six and a half, seven billion people in the world. There are over 320 million people in the United States of America. There are 40 million people, for example, in the state of California where I'm residing right now. But yet no one who has lived, who is living, or who will live in the future is like me. I'm the only me. And so if God is going to go through that much specificity in creating me, could it be that he has something for me to do? And so part of success is recognizing that God knitted me and formed me together, according as the psalmist says, in such a way that he has called me to live my most authentic self. And so for me, success is I recognize who I am and whose I am, and I take my gifts and talents, and I move on purpose and mission for which uh, God has given me. And, uh, and so that's how I've always viewed success. You know, there's a book by David Brooks called The Road to Character. David Brooks is a conservative pundit, writer, a Jewish man, but he talks about attending a memorial of a colleague in that book, uh, The Road to Character. He talks about attending a memorial of a colleague some mm -hmm. years ago. And at this memorial, as they're talking about this now deceased friend and colleague, yeah. he noticed that when people stood to speak about him, the things they spoke about were none of the things we commonly associate with, quote, quote, success. Mm. Not about his degrees, the amount of money he had, a bank account or the size of his house. The things he spoke about, of, heard, heard about of his friend were these intangibles, generosity, nobility, decency, honor, honesty, integrity, faithfulness, commitment, trust. And so David Brooks in his book, The Road to Character, termed this whole experience as the difference between Resume virtues and eulogy virtues. So resume virtues. Resume virtues are the things that we commonly associate with success in our society. But there's a there's something that transcends that and it's eulogy virtues. The word eulogy in the Greek comes from this idea of lyrics. It's a two part word, but it basically means to speak well of to eulogize someone means to speak well of them. And so what he recognized at that experience and what I've come to recognize is that when I leave this earth, I don't want people having to stretch. You know, I often tell people when I'm talking, you know, people, people say more lies at funerals than at any given time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say things just weren't true. You know, he was a good man, you know, good father, good, good. She was a good wife, whatever. But I often say... <laughs> I don't want people to have to stretch to speak well of me. Mm. And part of speaking well is, you know, Mario Angelou said, people may forget what you say, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And so how, when you, when you think about success, when you think about these transcendent sort of values or characteristics, rather, 
that's 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 the road to character. That's the road to greatness. Uh, it's service, it's honor, it's decency, it's empathy. That that is, those are examples of eulogy virtues. And so I want to live my life in such a way. You know, Paul talks about it with Timothy. You know, he gives his charge to Timothy to be strong and of good courage. And then Paul looks at him his life. He says, you know, as for me, my life has been poured out as a libation offering. And then he says, I have fought the good fight, mm-hmm. kept the faith, finished the course, you know. And so I want to live a life uh, consistent with that, where it's not about uh, any of those things we commonly associate with success, but rather those intrinsic values like decency and honor, integrity, generosity, kindness, nobility, peace, patience, kindness, love, joy, those things. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. And if you don't mind, can you tell me, you said that uh, David Brooks was the author and what was the name of that book? Yeah, man, get the book, uh, The Road to Character. Get the book, man. I got it. I got the, I got the e-version and the hard version. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, make sure I write that down because as soon as we get done, that's gonna be ordered. <laughs> ASAP. Yeah. yeah, it's a good good read. Well, um now to the fun part. I mean, okay, it's been fun, but uh, <laughs> the unexpected <laughs> fun. Uh what I wanna do is just and we've hit on some great things and you know, as as I listen to some of the things you talked about, I picked three words and I want to go through and just say each one of those. And if you can just either give a word or phrase or what sure. reson- what comes to mind for you when you hear uh, the, the, sure. the word. So the first sure. word is leadership. Jesus. Mm, I like that. And you know, there's uh, a book. Uh, there's a book real quick. I want to give you on that. Obi Hendricks, Ph.D. Obi Hendricks, uh, minister, but also Ph.D wrote a book and called entitled the politics of Jesus, the politics of Jesus. And there's another book by, um, by, uh, there's another book called when Jesus came to Harvard by Harvey Cox. When Jesus came to Harvard by Harvey Cox, get both of those books and they personify the life, the leadership of Jesus. So when I hear the word leadership, I hear I say Jesus. Okay, and uh, and I'm gonna tell a little personal um, secret on myself here. Uh, you know, one thing that really made made me you stick out to me and made me really want to reach out to you is the fact that you've done the MLK work. Oh, thank and, you, brother. And and man, like like it it gives me chills just saying MLK. You know, yeah. like just just that that type of man, um, the greatness that he's left uh, in our world, you know, of, of all of those things that you talked about, you know, empathy, uh, forgiveness, joy, you know, all of that stuff you talked about, man, that's 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 the path that I, I strive to live, you know. Yeah. And so that's the second word or name okay. is MLK. Uh, MLK, drum major for justice. Drum major for justice. Yeah. I believe that uh, MLK bore a prophetic witness not only to the the times in which he lived, which were tumultuous, where injustice and oppression was prevalent, 
but MLK also brought a prophetic witness to the not yet of what could be when we as a people aligned our lives consistent with the expectations of the God who created us. And so King not only spoke to what was, but he bore prophetic witness to what could be when we lived in a nation where a person would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. When we when we called for justice to roll down like water and righteousness to rise in stream, when we called for um, truth, when we called for decency and honor, when we called for brothers and sisters from different hues, races, and creeds and colors to indeed sit down at the table of brotherhood and sisterhood. So when I when I hear MLK, I think. I hear drum major for justice. I believe he was a prophet and there was no person like him who has ever lived. And I regret that I know him only through his words, through his writings. I regret I never met him. But I'll tell you a real quick story. When I grew up in South Central LA, I listened to Run DMC and hmm. Curtis Blow and <laughs> LL Day. And, but man, when I was a young kid, man, I remember I used to send off to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Back then, you could get cassette tapes. And most of your listeners probably don't know what cassette tapes are. (laughs) You could get cassette tapes of King's speeches from SCLC. So as God is my witness, I grew up as a young kid. I would get my little money order from the check cashing place. Put it in an envelope and I would get his speeches sent to me. And so I grew up falling asleep with my walkman on, a set walk, listening to MLK. He would put me to sleep, man. I'm, I'm not making this up. I, drum major for justice, sleeping through a revolution, why I opposed the war in Vietnam, a knock at midnight, I have a dream. All of these were speeches. And so I fell asleep. King's voice, uh, literally ministered to me and challenged me as a young kid. I'm talking when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year old kid. I remember these white cassette tapes. They had red, red. It was a red letter. There would be a guy who would do an introductory to it. He would say, uh, he spoke in a very, almost a British accent. He would say, you know, on behalf of our former president, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Welcome to, and he would do this introduction. And now here it is sleeping through a revolution, you know, and he would introduce and then it would be it would be a lot. It would be a recording of King and it, the crackling in the background. You would hear people coughing and it was, it was like a unedited version. And it's some of the best preaching, teaching, the best prophetic witness that you would ever hear. And so that's how I became a student. of. Dr. I've been a student of Dr. King since I was six, seven. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that. So drum major for justice. What's your third one? The third one is legacy. Oh, ongoing. Mm. Uh, I'm mindful of every day I get a chance to build up on that. And so every day that you're above ground is to, to, to invest in that, to work on that, to, to deposit into that. What are we leaving? What are we building? That's beyond ourselves. 
And so legacy, it continues. It's not yet. It's, it's unfolding. It is a semicolon mm. where the story continues. And so I often tell people, listen, even in our moments of mistake and fragility and sin, making errors, every day that you're above ground, you are blessed to see the sun rise in the east and set in the west is an opportunity for you to realize, look, I am not measured by my worst, but I'm embraced at my potential of what can be. And thus my life is a semicolon. Every breath that I'm breathing now is God's gift to me. It's a semicolon. It's not a period. A period, it's over. And we know people, man, who are not with us, even from this year. But God's blessed me and you to be have this conversation right now for your viewers, for your listeners. And so whatever 2019 has brought you, whatever 2019 has uh, exposed you to or brought your way, uh, don't see it as all bad that there are opportunities for you to not alter the past, but certainly to elevate your future and to bring you into a place of God's blessing and wellness and, and for your future and faithfulness for your future. So, you know, carpe diem, seize the day, advance. I say that all the time. Mm. So many great nuggets. Thank you so much. Before we get off, if you don't mind sharing with the audience where they can go follow you and show you some love sure. and get those books. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Quick, uh, so much again, Chip. My, my first book I wrote is called Kingmaker, Applying the Leadership Lessons of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., called Kingmaker. And the second book is called Habits, Six Steps to the Art of Influence. All, both of those books are available uh, wherever books are sold online, including Amazon. Habits is in audio form as well. Kingmaker and Habits are both in paperback. Wherever books are sold online, you can get those books. And then you can find out where I'm going to be speaking. You can find out uh, you know, more about me uh, to be a part of your organization, whether speaking or training. You can go to goodygoodlow.com. That's goody. It's spelled G as in George, double O, D as in David, I-E, goodlow. G-O-O-D-L-O-E, goodygoodlow.com. Find out all the information on me, where I'm going to be, where I'm uh, serving next. And we got some great things already on slate for 2020, starting with uh, a trip to Israel. We're leading, co-leading a delegation of 115 people to Israel here in not too many weeks. Uh, we got Albuquerque. We got Green Bay. Uh, we got Dallas, Texas. We got a number of different places we're going to be at the start of the year. But you can find out all that information at goodygoodlow.com. And you can you know, also email me and find me on all the uh, social media handles, Goody Goodlow as well, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Goody Goodlow. Well, there it is. Again, I want to say thank you so much uh, for taking the time to interview with the Success Chronicles. Thanks for all you do because it's, it's good stuff. And, uh, oh man, I'm honored. I'm honored to be uh, with you today. Thank you so much. And man, I want to encourage you. Thank you for all you're doing to advance uh, the good things. And man, as a uh, as a man of color, African American man, I realize the enormous responsibility that we both share, we both bear in this society to advance uh, all things good, noble, and decent. And I want to say thank you, man, for being the best version of you for being a man of honor and integrity and for reflecting the life, the leadership and the lessons of Jesus, man. Keep pushing, keep advancing. And my hashtag favorite word, man, is onward, onward. 
Love it. Well, there it is. Again, thank you. And thank you guys for checking out this episode. We'll see you next time. God bless. Go get it.